Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. September now, not as we record this, but as we listen to this, so we're uh, barreling towards a, a, a new season, um, mm-hmm. and that could have a lot of different meanings depending on who you ask. It could they could be talking about football season, uh, they could be uh, talking. I don't even know. I, I don't know. This one really got away from me. Um, but Kevin, you <laughs> so did the uh, previous two seasons. You know, you know. <laughs> Remember spring? No, you it's don't. A really good Remember point. summer? No, you don't. <laughs> it's a really good point. Uh, but anyway, Kevin comes to us this week with uh, tales of a September, uh, late August, early September phenomenon. Yeah. So I was in Alston and. Um, this weekend, which is where the BU campus is, the Northeastern campus is, it's near Boston College. And um, I figured I'd go do a research project there since Max had mentioned the Alston Christmas phenomenon that takes place particularly in, in the Boston area because every lease starts on September 1st, basically. So um, I do think maybe that, that, that does change a I don't know if it changes when September 1st is like in the middle of the week versus close to the weekend, but there were lots of people moving and lots of moving trucks and it was very busy. Yes, but you said Christmas and and Max, you you introduced this idea to us last week. But, you know, Christmas, I think of, you know, it being a little cooler so that it, that doesn't really check out here. Um I think of maybe feasting and things that doesn't really check out here. I also think of of gifts when I think of Christmas, you know, the commercial commercial Christmas as it is, not of like religious Christmas. Um, so, so is is that where the the connection is between Alston Christmas and the normal Christmas we think of? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, sort of. <laughs> Alston Christmas is a term used to describe Moving Day, as Kevin suggested. Uh, I would assume the origins are related to the idea that. When people move out, they tend to not keep everything they're moving, mm. and a lot of things end up on the sidewalk for the picking. And so, I think it's a I think it's related to trash picking, <laughs> 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 to put it bluntly. So so something something I participated in the other day, and a cop drove by and gave me a look and kept going, and I questioned it for a second. I said, I think trash picking is illegal. I don't. I don't know. Oh, I I have no idea if that's the case. I don't know. He drove by, so it certainly was not being enforced. So so I think a key here is is you called it trash picking. Um, uh, you know the intent of the person who puts it out is is kind of interesting here, but but it is someone has put something to the curb as as we say, and and I take it that these items are for free. Um, there there is not like a little tag on them. It's not like a yard sale, garage sale, whatever you want to call it. Um, these are items, you know, you're, you're doing 
the person who's put it put it there a favor by potentially picking it up. Yeah, I, so so this is that that's an interesting way to think about it. I I'm reminded of the there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother which I I recently embarked on a pandemic, you know, I want to have something to do to shut off my brain for a while rewatch. Uh, and and they put out there they have this sidewalk area in front of their apartment that they call the Bermuda Triangle and anytime they like you know take something out there like an ottoman it'll be gone before they can even make it back up the stairs um mm-hmm. but this uh, Austin Christmas sounds like a really fascinating and bizarre phenomenon to me because i can't i don't know that i could imagine like going trash picking in somebody's stuff while I'm also dealing with moving. And so the fact that everyone is doing this at the same time blows my mind. Like it's mm-hmm. it's one thing, you know, there's there's certainly there's a, a a low grade version of this I think in most college towns. I mean certainly like having having gone back and and lived in Charlottesville for several years uh but before i before i moved again uh, i was very privy to the uh to the the cavalcade of uh people roaming around like it would start honestly it would start in like april with all of these craigslist posts and posts on facebook marketplace you know advertising stuff to be sold and then steadily the prices would drop and then they'd be advertised for free and then one day you'd just see stuff out on the street and then the next day you'd see hordes of hoarders essentially driving around in pickup trucks and vans filling their beds with anything they could get their hands on so they could kind of capitalize and resell and I, I guess I'm curious to the the people who have observed Austin Christmas now is is there that aspect to it is is anyone trying to is anyone trying to like make a buck off this or is it mostly just people seeing something and saying oh that might look kind of neat in my living room that's a good question I mean I I haven't necessarily witnessed it firsthand I've I've certainly taken my fair share of free things off the side (laughs) of the road um whether during a moving day or not um i'm sure somebody drives around and tries to to pick things up to make a buck i mean Ke- kevin what do you what do you think did you see any evidence of that or, i mean I uh, i didn't see a ton of stuff out i was mostly on the the main streets um no i didn't really go into the um the side streets it was a pretty bad research expedition i was mostly just in the uh, market for some donuts but presumably not curbside trash donuts yeah no no. um hey don't yuck someone else's yum (laughs) no but i think think if your yum is trash donuts we should probably yuck that (laughs) yes kevin yeah but i i do just uh i did have the experience last year of moving to this area for a september 1st lease and it is just ridiculous how how the leases here do work where everything is on September 1st and all the moving trucks are taken and uh, 
like the the landlords flipping their apartment and like getting it ready for someone the night of like the move out of the previous oh, yeah. tenant and um you have 5 p.m to 7 a.m <laughs> yeah so i i do imagine <laughs> old if tenants I, out new tenants in it's insane so it's just it's a very stressful way to make a move happen especially because it's it's in the middle of a school semester like there are people who had to like come up and get a hotel or crash on someone's place for two nights because they can't move in until september 1st um so i just can't imagine it's a very high stress time where you might not get a truck you want or you, and you might just be like look i i just need to get rid of this and yeah. i just there's always a threshold for that when you're moving and i just think it is probably lessened for austin christmas uh so while i think with christmas another thing we think of is uh thoughtfully giving a gift to someone you know this is really just get this thing out of my life because <laughs> i don't want it anymore yeah so so kevin you said that and it, it's interesting is is i hear and i'm thinking about this situation sean that you described where it's Maybe I had it on Craigslist, and then it sat there, it sat there, it sat there. I'm not going to get any money for it. No one's going to come pick it up. So you get to the point where you just leave it out there. You're basically Doug Maroning this. Uh, no one wants Leonard Fournette. Allegedly, you can't even get a sixth-round draft pick, so you release it out to so the you, curb. So you put him on the curb in Alston, Mass. <laughs> How very and Maybe topical. the Patriots will pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. Bill Belichick yeah, well, has this... a tendency of participating in Alston well, Christmas. So, and, and that's... Not, so not that uh, not that research and factual information are like the bread and butter of this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, Max, having having worked in Boston city government, uh, do you do you can you explain why all of the leases toll on at the same time? like what what is the? Is there a history of that? I'm curious because it sounds batshit crazy to me. It is crazy. Um, I don't really know. I don't know that it has anything to do with the government. Um, It is definitely a Boston phenomenon. I think it's the type of thing where Boston is such a college town that there's so many leases dependent on college students. So those leases get on that September Mm -hmm. 1st time frame. And then landlords realized that the market, the rental market is so strong that they can make more money for their rental if they go on the September 1st time frame. And before you know it, 90% of the leases are on that time frame. And there's not really any incentive for a landlord to get their lease off of that time frame because that's when the highest demand for for uh, apartments are. And I mean, these apartments will rent. I mean, in, in Charlottesville, you have to rent apartments early. In Boston, it's like, I mean, we, we signed for our apartment in uh, February for a September 1st lease. And that was like, all of my friends were saying, you're late to the game. I, I hope you find an apartment, but I'm not sure. So oh, yeah, we you we found an apartment, what? My, I'm, seven my, or eight months in advance. Yeah, my sister in Austin, and, and her my sister and her friends signed their lease for the house that they lived in senior year as sophomores. Like over, yeah. you know, well, okay. two well, school years wow. in advance. <laughs> Yeah, I so I think it has something to yeah. do rental with the, the nomadic nature of the rental market, probably from college students. And I think again, there's just there's no incentive. Like if you're a landlord, right. you're gonna get the most money if you're on that um, time frame. Ironically, if you get to the, some of the smaller landlords, um, they're actually more eager, especially in neighborhoods that are not necessarily closer to colleges. 
they're more eager to have their leases a month or two separated from September 1st yeah. just to make their tenants' lives easier mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, to well, avoid rentals, renting to college students. Yeah, well, I was looking outside the city, um, and um, there's still colleges out here where I live, um, and we were trying to find a place kind of two and a half months out in advance because uh, Julia traveled up here to, to look for places. And basically the only places that were available were places that had month-to-month leases and the landlord was like, oh yeah, this is going to be freed up September 1st by this guy who's not going to be renewing his month-to-month lease. And the place we got actually was, it popped onto the uh, online marketplace at like 12 p.m. one day. Julia saw it at a coffee shop, went and toured it, applied at 6 p.m., and he was like, oh, good thing you applied because the p- person I showed it to you right after was just about to apply. So, it, yeah, things <laughs> yeah. go quick here. It's crazy. The only thing I found was just confirming. So so within Boston, there are 25 four-year colleges and universities. Jesus. And it's just that all the landlords have adopted September to September leases. And so the whole city's just sort of tied to that. And it's miserable for anyone who's not in college. So I guess within this this misery in the, the the fevered state of of rentals and moving and everything, in some ways I am uh, I I understand more the idea that you would just be moving and you're like screw it. I did as Kevin pointed out, I didn't get the truck size that I wanted, so I have to throw this out on the the, the curb. I mean, do people approach this? You know, all the stuff on the curb and the. Um, the potential to find, I don't know, like a, an ottoman or, or a, a bookshelf or something. Is it is it positive? Is it seen as kind of a cheery thing? Or, or is it a, a nuisance? Um, I think it depends who you ask. Um, <laughs> it's a positive... You mean having a bunch of, like, furniture on the side of the street? Potential. A bunch of it's potential. A, it's a positive for the one or two people that might need a new-to-them piece of Mm -hmm. furniture i think it's an extreme negative for the city as a whole and it's certainly a negative for the poor you know trash men and women who have to it's not really part of their job but like they they do it and amazingly they clean it all up because they kind of have to but i mean it's probably not great for them or for anyone else who lives in the neighborhood um it's good for me like i said i was we uh we were able to get a brand new brand new to us uh stationary bike a few weeks ago (laughs) That was on the side of the road. It works great. It's a free Peloton. Oh, that's so wild. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't uh, actually yeah. a Peloton-branded so, bike, but you put an iPad on it, and, and boom. It's basically Peloton. the same. You could, still, you could still pay $30 a month for Peloton classes if you wanted to. So well, here's yeah. something that I would point out, and has occurred to me with Boston being a fairly dense city, or at least if, if it's not the most dense it is not a place where driving is awesome um and so like if you have a car there are more opportunities to do things with your extra stuff but if you don't have a car your opportunities might be very limited to putting stuff on your curb if someone said they would get something for you from craigslist but you have to drive it to them or you're trying to sell it to someone and neither of you have a car i could see this adding to the the snowball effect of uh, what makes Alston Christmas Alston Christmas? The secret sauce to Austin Christmas, if you if you will, the their their eggnog. Um, so I, I that that just occurred to me as we're discussing this. I mean, Max, do you think that that is is part of it? Is that you know Kevin drove to get donuts and had the option of putting stuff in the back of his car, but maybe most people don't. 
I mean, I definitely think so. I, I've, I've taken, well, the exercise bike and, and this year and some plants. Those were all close to our house, so we walked them. Um, I helped a friend move a few weeks ago, and we carried a, a mattress, you know, down a few streets. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a thing that happens in the city, I think. So, yeah, I think that, I think you, you, you make a good point that you're, you're less likely to sell something or properly get rid of something when it's like, like, I mean, like Kevin said, it's just a joy to have it out of your apartment. It's, oh, it's on the sidewalk. It's not my problem anymore. And yeah, especially pieces of furniture. I mean, yeah. we, we found a few years ago, I, or maybe it was last year. I don't remember exactly, but we found this like rolling kitchen table thing and I rolled it. Technically it had wheels. Um, and I rolled it maybe a half a mile to my house. <laughs> um, yeah, we refinished it, and it looks great now, I think. Um, yeah, I um, and sometimes I have, like, something that I know is broken, or, like, I don't really want to sell it, but, like, I don't want to, I kind of want to just get rid of it, too. And it's like, well, if someone wants this, like, more power to them, but I'm not going to try to, like, make a buck off someone, because, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing I, I, I realized with this, and... and a the thought that cars would be helpful in some ways it's not just giving it to someone else that you meet through facebook marketplace or or craigslist or whatever it is but there's the additional thing which is something i tried to do recently um which is you can take that to some charity organization uh like you know maybe goodwill or something where they take in items um and what i'm hearing is those are not things you usually see in like the middle of downtown. Um, and additionally, if you don't have a car, it's very tough to take something to SPCA or um, Goodwill. And and that that strikes me as would be a really good solution for a lot of this. Like take your chairs and tables so that once people move in, if it's at a Goodwill, they go get them. And people that are in need and can't spend a thousand dollars on whatever item. Um, but you can't do that if you don't have a car, I think. Well, and the the particular circumstances of Alston Christmas 2020 are such that, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what Goodwill's operations are like right now, but I would imagine they are limited at best and are probably not super jazzed about strangers trucking in from all over the place to bring furniture and clothes and shit that you don't know where it's been. <laughs> So that is I, true. It happened to me. So instead, you're left with uh, doing the other thing, Pierce, that you did uh, when you moved, which is uh, tricking your friends into bringing their large cars to help you pick up a table and, mm-hmm. in return, emptying your pantry into their car. <laughs> yes, inc- including frozen pork items. <laughs> that is correct. Um, Uh, Yeah, and and having convincing another person. Well, actually, they convince themselves that, yes, I can fit one of those tall IKEA bookshelves into a Honda Fit. (laughs) That is the thing that occurred. Um, Yeah, but, I mean, that really speaks to it, you know, Sean, in in that instance and and with with other folks, too. um, There there was – it's it's this – Please take this off my hands. I, I you know, I, I came from a perspective. It's like, yes, you were really doing me a service by taking it. But also with as I gave stuff to some other folks, too, it, it's like I do not want to just put this on the curb because 
I'd rather want someone that I know to benefit from this. It's not like I ever want it back, but it's nice to know like, hey, this it went to a good home, so to speak. Um, but there's the other thing, which is the the downside. And, and Max, you kind of uh, you kind of highlighted this, uh, and and I think you have some some awareness of of how the local governments view it. But when you put stuff on the curb, um, and no one takes it, and it just sits there, that has like a number of of bad outcomes. The the most prominent of which is just these uh, sanitation workers. Uh, have to pick up your, you know, e-waste basically, and and things that uh, you really shouldn't be throwing away like that, anyways, because it's it's it can be dangerous, um, and it's just going to a landfill. And you know, how silly is it for someone to like throw their back out picking up your your bookcase because they didn't realize you have a bunch of crap left in it? I mean, yeah, they just they already have actual fucking trash to pick up. I mean, mm-hmm. any. Any gigantic synchronized add-on trash pickup is something that requires a great deal of logistical planning. Have you ever wondered why, you know, if you grew up in a house that celebrated Christmas, you ever wondered why your Christmas tree stayed up after Christmas until it did? It's because your parents couldn't take it out to the curb to have it picked up until a certain date in January. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. someone has to say this is the day that we're going to pick up all the Christmas trees and plan accordingly and have enough labor and have enough equipment to properly deal with that. Well, in that, in that argument, I would say that Austin Christmas is a good thing for the trash workers. Uh, it, uh, okay. It's a, cause they can plan ahead. It's a for good it? thing. It, but that's, that's the thing. They're not the ones who are planning for it. It's a, it's maybe a good thing if the city has planned ahead for it and they treat it like actual Christmas when, you know, USPS and UPS hire a bunch of temporary seasonal folks. Like, if you get to pick up an extra shift on, you know, mm-hmm. September 2nd picking up shit off the curb and you you needed to work some extra hours, like, that, yeah, that's good. But if you go from if if there's not that level of pre-planning for it, and you show up for what's supposed to be like a regular Thursday garbage pickup, and instead of doing one Thursday's worth of work, you're doing seven, like that's absolutely is not good for for those people. So, sure, I just meant instead of it being spaced throughout the year, they just kind of know to expect it on this one weekend. Hmm. I mean, people shouldn't just be throwing all their stuff out anyway, but um, I just, you know, if you kind of know to expect it that weekend, that's all I thought. But I had an experience when I moved out of Arlington last year where I had this, had metal, like there's a bed frame that broke and stuff, and I um, scheduled like an order through the Arlington website to say like, hey, I need you to come pick up my stuff like i'm throwing out this trash but then like the regular trash guy took it and i was just like i i felt bad but like i didn't really know <laughs> what to do and then i got an email is... i got an email from them like a week later that was like hey we came by and we saw that like you didn't have any stuff i was like okay well sorry i tried but there's also yeah. just not much like good infrastructure for it either yeah uh, and 
you know, you you tried to do, I think, the right thing and going by the local government, Kevin, and, and what they wanted, uh, you know, and you, you did as, as much as you could and it was thrown off by, you know, some other part of the chain. Um, you know, Max, I think last week when, when you kind of brought this up to us, you talked about the ways that, that uh, they attempt to reprimand people for this and, and kind of why it's not uh, effective. Uh, and and I, you, I think you should share that because I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, to be the city doesn't have a whole ton of options. Um, in terms of punishing people, what they do is they will attempt to write tickets for improper storage of trash. Um, if you've ever looked around Boston, and I'm sure this is probably in other cities too, pretty much every address in the city has at least one of these tickets written to them at some point, and apartment buildings have tens if not hundreds of them um they're not terribly effective because the trash tickets are are written you know to the building but the building wants to have the tenant that was responsible pay for them but usually the tenant responsible just moved out in these situations um Mm -hmm. the city does actually go i mean a word of warning is the city you know they'll go through the garbage and look for any proof of whose trash it is um, so they'll look for, you know, shipping labels, things like that. This they'll do on a day-to-day basis, even taking out trash. Um, but at the end of the day, I think most of these tickets go unpaid. Um, yeah. I mean, another thing they do when it comes to, um, like, moving... You mentioned parking and, and how Boston's not a, a really a car-friendly city. So, that you know, they offer permits that'll allow you to re- reserve a, a, a curbside spot for a few hours for a moving truck. And so you can you can pay the city money for this permit, but especially on September first, I mean, good luck getting anyone to do anything if someone parks in your quote unquote reserved spot. Like, there's no yeah. real enforcement. The this like again, if it's eighty percent of the leases, I I mean that the police and anyone else, the parking police, are just going to be way too busy to actually do anything about the person in your spot. And at the very best the person that parked in your spot might get a $30 ticket but you still didn't get your moving spot you still don't have anywhere to put your u-haul so do like do landlords just get hosed and have to pay all the money or does no one ever pay the improper storage tickets um between between you and me no one really pays them usually (laughs) um i mean technically the city if if the property has enough unpaid tickets against them the city can take further action right uh historically in boston they will probably not do that um i think a lot of landlords will like if it happens regularly during the year i've had friends that get tickets and their landlord will pass the ticket on to them and the city will submit the ticket with a little picture that's proof of you know oh it was this person at this this apartment number because here's their pizza box with the domino's (laughs) delivery address that literally happened to a friend of mine uh, and you can't really fight that. So then the tenant pays the landlord and the landlord pays the city. But I think a lot of them also just go unpaid. Yeah, I was just curious because presumably if you write the ticket to the landlord, the landlord is legally liable for the money. Well, the other issue is that they write the ticket to the landlord. This has happened in my building, but they put the ticket on the door and the landlord isn't checking the mail. So the tenant sees the ticket myself included and says it's not for me right that's all so you just kind of put it off to the side and the landlord has no way of even knowing 
that they often the landlords don't know they have these tickets until potentially the city takes further action, which is, you know, I have my own opinions on that and the legality of it, but it's a pretty imperfect system to say the least. And then, and then that's all like a really big hullabaloo and we're going round and round and round, uh, for, for something that is solved if, you know, people just don't leave stuff on their curb all, all the time and whatever. And it's like, it's, you know, it sounds really good. There's all this free stuff out there, but it, it, it's only good if, if all of there, there's, you know, it's as if it's a zero sum thing, if you put your stuff out there and you take enough stuff so that there's nothing left on the curb. Otherwise it's, it's just a really annoying thing that it's probably not worth the city's time. Uh, I mean, of all the things, it's just like, unfortunately, you throw it all in the the you know big dump and that's it and that sucks but that's ultimately like I guess yeah. you have to let it go or you're gonna end up like doing these like pulling over these uh, landlords in their cars for like speeding and then all of a sudden being like oh we've well, got a warrant out for a, a 1998 uh, trash fine yeah. that you didn't pay. <laughs> Yeah, I like. I mean, like, awesome. you're saying, yeah. There's not a whole ton. There, there probably is a lot of money left on the table, and by probably, I mean I'm not going to say real numbers, but there's a lot of money that that at least <laughs> uh, cities such as Boston are are missing out on. The only real legal action they can take, unfortunately, and now we're getting into a, a very odd direction. I didn't think this would go in. They can they can technically add that unpaid ticket to the property tax bill. But once you do that, it goes from being like a not so serious, ooh, you should probably pay this fine, to like a very serious, this is on your taxes, and there's no way for them to take that off. So yeah. just from like the political political ramifications, the city doesn't really want to do that if they don't have to, because that's yeah. just not going to look good all around if Boston is all of a sudden adding unpaid parking tickets from five years ago to a new landlord's. Because that's the other thing is these buildings sell. So you, you buy a building, and all of a sudden you don't know that the building you bought had 37 unpaid trash tickets on it that are all of a sudden on your next tax bill. You're not going to be happy about that. So yeah. uh, technically there's legal ways to go about it, but, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty yeah. pretty bad system. Yeah, so I just, mean, it's yeah. like, you know, nobody wants to send someone to jail for 10 years because their window tint was a little too dark. Yeah. Well, somebody might, I, but <laughs> so I mean, I think it's I think it's I'm glad you shared that, Max, because what it does illustrate to me is when people are like, "Oh, what is this fine? You know, why does the city need money for this? Why why do they give this ticket and everything?" It's like, okay, well, you leave the trash out on the curb, and that that is a finable thing because the the sanitation worker has this extra task and that that cause you know that's time and then someone else has to go and and write it up and that's that's another person's time they're spent on you being ultimately kind of selfish and being like i want to get this off my hands and so there is a cost for all of those things people like Mm -hmm. oh fines are stupid tickets are stupid it's like well someone has to be compensated for the time they spent cleaning up your mess and there's also i mean Um, if it's food waste then it attracts rats in neighborhoods and then all of a sudden you have rat infestations and those are you know they're a blight on the they're a blight on the neighborhood and they cost money to fix so yeah i mean if you live in a city you agree to it i was gonna say an unwritten rule you agree to written rules yeah (laughs) about how to live in the city how to live with neighbors in a close vicinity and you have to put your trash out at a certain time and you're paying for that sounds like y'all are just waging a war on christmas (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, I mean, everything would be better served if instead of putting trash on the curb, everybody just went arm in arm to get donuts in Alston, as, as Kevin did. Because yeah. that that is a good use of time. I'm uh, I'm not comfortable sharing how long I've had that holstered. <laughs> oh, well. oh, well. It's been about three days. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so I, we we did we did some learning today. This is interesting. This is not really yes. our, the normal tack that this podcast takes, and it was you all started by a bunch it. of people leaving all their shit out on the sidewalk. So that's yeah, yeah. that's pretty yeah. cool. Well, I also do want to say thank you to to Sean because something like four or five years ago, um, we were helping Sean move, and he had a magic bullet that uh, he didn't <laughs> want. No one wanted it. And I, was, I just couldn't stand to see it be thrown away. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll use it. And you guys were like, no, you're not going to use it. And you were right. I didn't use it. But I kept moving it with me. However, Julia loves it. So luckily I kept it through wow. three moves, even though I never used it. And now it gets a ton of use. So thank you, Sean. You are welcome. Can I tell you something? I now wish I had that magic bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, all I got to say is leave it to us to be able to talk about trash for 35 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is definitely us. Uh, and thanks for thanks for hanging in there with us for that. And, and hopefully uh, it'll it'll pay off when we now move on as we do to Pierce's sorry. What are you apologizing for today? So in classic fashion, I was thinking about this topic earlier today and realized I had a very germane apology that happened very recently when I was moving. Um, we mentioned Goodwill. I tried to take a bunch of stuff to Goodwill um, and <clears throat> realized that Goodwill was closed. So I had good intentions, but then they quickly went south. Um so I uh, so one thing you realize when you're moving is that a a dumpster is really a magical thing, but sometimes you live in places where they have very strict rules about what goes in the dumpster and have cameras on them. So you have to find an alternative dumpster, um, which is sort of what I'm apologizing for. But as I think about it, it's not really. It's not that I went to my old apartment building and threw stuff away in the dumpster there. That is, you know, I, I kind of feel like at least I threw it away in the dumpster and not just out on the curb. What I'm sorry for, and I, I realize it more here, is like I threw away things, including like uh, I think like a lamp that others could have used um, and and maybe needed it, and I would have given it to them for free, or or and I tried to donate it, um, but I was really unable to. And I, I feel pretty bad about that. It's like you, you want to do the right thing, and it's really hard sometimes to do the right thing, especially now when these things aren't available to you. But, I mean, in general, throwing something away in a dumpster is, is definitely better than throwing it out on a curb or, or throwing in a dumpster that's, that's like for recycling, basically. But I, I just – I thought very critically about the stuff I was throwing away and wanted to avoid throwing certain things away because it's, it's – fucking bad to put it in in something that's going to poison the water or something and I, I was throwing away a bunch of metal too but it's like i can do better and that is going to have a downstream effect even if it's someone who needed a lamp and didn't get it because they couldn't afford it so i feel bad and i'm sorry if, if you're someone who needed a lamp and i couldn't get it to you 
Well, and we learned today that if you had just put those lamps on the side of the road, they maybe would have gotten to someone. But you still think putting it in a dumpster is better? No, I, I think that. Well, I think both both options are bad. The best They're thing is to bad. donate it and get you sure. know have it enter into an infrastructure and an ecosystem where this stuff gets to where people a third, who a third need party it. can profit off of it. I mean, they mm. get like five dollars, and they and I like to think that they invest yeah. it into making it better. But those I mean, the are real, my thoughts. I, yeah, the real the real best outcome is handing it off to someone because yes. then there's no you, you know. You could you know. donate something to Goodwill and it could plausibly sit in Goodwill for, you know, three months and then they throw it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. Well, thank you for your apology, as usual. Um, I, I, I did recently acquire a new lamp, so kind of <laughs> wish you would said something. Um, but I, I got it. I, I scavenged the lamp from I Emily. I scavenged the lamp, lamp from Emily when she moved, so I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um. Uh, uh, and we will close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture. Uh, and uh, I, I, I've been reading. Uh, I just finished a book. Actually, I finished it today. Uh, it's a book called The Cost of These Dreams. It's by Wright Thompson, who, look, we live in a world that's way too... Uh, enamored with hyperbole and calling uh, people and things the the best or the worst. Uh, I think there's a pretty solid argument to be made that Wright Thompson is like the best writer in America. Uh, And it's a, the book is a collection of, essays and what are ostensibly magazine pieces uh, that all revolve on some level around sports because that's what he does. He he writes for ESPN. Uh, he wrote about sports for the Kansas City Star. But it's... Uh, I think the reason he's so good is that he nails the fact that the best sports writing is always really kind of just tangentially about sports. It's just the starting point. And so, uh, you know, he writes, he writes this, the first essay in the book is about, it's, it's a profile of Michael Jordan approaching 50. And like, yes, there's lots of discussion of, his career and uh, his life growing up. But really, it's about uh, what happens when you have to be an asshole. Like, what happens when you have to be essentially a bad person to achieve all of the things that you want to achieve and then you retire and you don't have to achieve those things anymore. It's about what happens when you lose your father way too young. Uh, and, and there's one of the centerpieces of the book is this very, very long story about 
Um, it's about New Orleans. It's basically about New Orleans. He lived in New Orleans for a while. Um, I think, he, yeah, he lived in New Orleans for a while. Uh, and and I think the kind of the entry point is a combination of uh, the the time the point in time when Tom Benson uh, was uh when the Benson family was warring over his mental fitness and and who was going to uh who was going to inherit control of the saints uh but also the 10th anniversary of hurricane katrina and and i think this essay hit me a lot because i was reading it on saturday which was the 15th anniversary of said storm um uh, but there was just he wove in uh he wove in like a local football coach who tried to uh who tried to start a league uh based at an underfunded playground that eventually got raised to uh to make way for one of those uh community improvement projects shall we say that are uh changing the landscape of so many metropolitan areas around the country uh it's just it, he's so he's so good at using sports as like a springboard it's the spoonful of sugar that makes the the medicine of this is really a story about societal ills and about people who are supposed to have a responsibility to other people failing that responsibility uh, and it makes that go down so uh, highly 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 recommend that you get your hands on cost of these dreams by Wright Thompson uh, okay that is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the feed on your podcast app and device of choice. If you do that, please leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing, or just tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Merry Austin Christmas.